everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, let's get the commercials out of the way real quick. 12-step spiritual recovery is the recovery for all. Uh, most of the time you got to fit into a particular 12-step program. Uh, you have to have a particular malady like be an alcoholic or a drug addict or an overeater or a gambler. And, uh, and if, if you fit into that box, and at some extent, that box and that box only, then, uh, then, then when they have these little meetings you can go to and, and receive this 12-step way of doing life that's uh, worked for so many people. Well, 12-step spiritual recovery opens the door to everyone. It is a come-as-you-are. Uh, have all the maladies, have none of the maladies. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, we're just trying to uh, help folks have a better way of, of life and, and improve that quality of life. And as I always say, uh, I can guarantee you that if you'll work these steps and practice these principles in your daily life, your life will get better. That's a guarantee. 12-step spiritual recovery can be found on Amazon. Uh, it's 12-step spiritual recovery by James Christopher Cohn. And there's a website, same bunch of letters, 12stepspiritualrecovery.com. And you can find that we have uh, mutual support group meetings here. And a uh, majority of those are uh, accessible by Zoom. So no matter where you live, uh, you could sit in on, on some of these meetings. We also have local face-to-face here in the Louisville metro area if that is your, uh, if that's your deal. So uh, anything else here? Thank you, Darren Frank, for your music. And we'll get to business. You know, I get the honor of watching. It's one of the things of hanging around this program for a little while uh, is you get a tremendous amount of people that you get to watch come in and slowly harness these tools. And it's not it's usually actually pretty quick, but it feels slow in the beginning of um, watching people begin this 12 step path and 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 recover, uh, stop using, stop drinking and uh and resurrect a new life and uh my guest today come through i met her in tssr and uh what is uh well we'll get to that what is your sobriety day april 25th 2022 right so just a minute ago you celebrated not a minute ago but a couple months last what is it may last month celebrated one year the big 365 so it has been a minute ago yeah tomorrow will be 13 months yeah oh will it Nice. They should keep on doing monthly chips all the way up to like five years. Baker's dozen. Yeah. Yeah. That would be we have uh we have just started giving away an eighteen month chip in Spiritual Underground just because some guy bought a bag of them. Uh, <clears throat> no reason why not, but then that gets you into the math, you know, because not everybody knows they're at eighteen months, you know. You know, uh, once you hit that year, then the months stop kind of counting in a way you know you'll you'll lose track of that before too awful long about knowing that it's 13 in a minute and you don't in the beginning nope not <laughs> not off the bat how you doing today good good you had an easy day today or oh yeah yeah play in the art room play with poppy go for a walk poppy well he's 14 but puppy kermit what is that? Oh, he's my Yorkie. He's your okay. Yeah, he's that's yeah. my son. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, he's my hairy, stinky little boy. For a minute, I was thinking we were talking about like a grandparent or something. Poppy. Oh, p- puppy. Puppy. <laughs> and then, uh, then it was fourteen. Yeah, my baby boy, puppy, yeah. <laughs> old man. <laughs> uh, I always like to ask, uh, did you grow up around here? No, well, kind or, of. 
where were you born? Uh, well, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> I was born in Springdale, Arkansas, but I only lived there nine days. But that would still be on your birth certificate, yeah. right? Yeah, that's on my that's birth certificate. Place of birth, so it counts. It got recorded. And then, but my social, uh, I got in uh, Washington State because we moved out there, and because um, like everybody out here is like uh, so like nine days old. Yeah, it's not packed you up and moved mm-hmm. you from Arkansas to Washington. Yeah, my parents are crazy. They had um, my oldest brother and my sister were born, not my little brother yet, and then me, brand new, and they moved from from Arkansas out to Washington State because my grandparents had a house out there and we lived in their basement on mm. Cherry Street. Um, and I went to kindergarten out there and then we came, you know, out, out this way. But yeah, all four of us were born in a different state. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But they, and this is really messed up things since I'm talking about birthdays. But so Ben was born June 2nd in Alaska. Sarah was February 2nd in Missouri. I was due April the 2nd, but was not having it. I'm too stubborn for that. And uh, my little brother was born October 2nd. So, I was like, yeah. how do you have four kids all born on the second of the same, month? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. But, yeah, those crazy people moved across the country with a, with a, with a tiny little baby. And uh, my mom always told me when I was little that I got my belly button in Texas, and that's where they invented curly fries. Like, the stupid stuff people tell their children. And you believe it when you're three or four years old. Yeah. And you'll carry it into adulthood. Right. That's some of what we talk about in TSSR, about this faulty training. You know, there's no harm in that particular little story. You know, some of them are little cute little stories, but also there's some of them that that end up being something that's not really serving us as we grow older and we'll still carry it around with us. Yep. um, Lots of times. So you got three siblings. Yep. Mom and dad stay married? Yeah, they're still married. Wow, very cool. That is uh, that Doesn't is happen. definitely the minority of my guests. Yeah. Uh, well, they ran away and got married when they were uh, 16 and 21. My dad uh, was the first woman he ever met with my mother. And um, he was from uh, Utah, Washington area, like Washington State. And um, he went up to Alaska to meet him a woman, even though there were five yeah. men to every woman. <laughs> yeah, I was say that's the opposite place to go to meet a woman. Right, yeah. And I uh, met my mom at a church dance, and six months later, they were they were off to a line in Carson City, Nevada, to get their marriage license and, yeah. and run off and get married. Some people don't mess around. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting, the different dynamics of just all the different ways people can do life. You know, there's a, uh, we were talking the other day, and they were saying something about how, <clears throat> how young kids now can get exposed to a lot of just say dangerous things content and material i brought home a bunch of fruit from the from the retreat this weekend and the fruit flies are flying around oh. <laughs> uh, the uh, you know and it, but it wasn't and i said something about it. i said well you know it was 100 years ago girls were getting married at 16 and then it's like well yeah until when and, and i didn't even didn't even cross my mind about that yeah until they finally got some rights and they didn't have to do that right. I'm like, oh wow i had not looked at it from that angle you know yeah uh, their their parents marrying them off when they're yeah. little kids that they didn't even get to pick yeah no oh uh, so yeah it's a um we were talking about how crazy a world it is today, but I think it's always been a crazy world. It's just different crazy from oh, yeah. one generation to another. Subjective crazy. Yeah. Uh, life is pretty crazy. Uh, I've told somebody the other day, uh, probably 90% or over of my guests have divorced parents. And my Most mom and dad stayed married until my mother's death. Um, <clears throat> and 
would have been if they could have made it another year it would have been 50 years and yeah i think they've been married like 47 years now very cool something like that where do they live they uh lagrange oh so they're here yep. fairly local fairly yeah, yeah. Not, not too far and since my one year i've actually seen them oh yeah <laughs> so that's new yep uh, this stuff will get in the way of a lot of things oh uh, so you moved around a lot? Yeah, I went to um, like eight elementary schools in five states. Wow. Um, then we moved out here um, to Kentucky. Um, I remember my dad teaching me how to say Louisville. <laughs> we're, we're like, but it's Louisville. Look at it. <laughs> um, you never knew with him. I mean, he'd read a Cinderella, a Cinderfella. So we never knew if he was <laughs> What he, what he was doing he's silly so but um we, we did figure out that it was louisville but we moved here in like 1991 or 1990 or 1991 but it was uh super bowl sunday hmm. and um the day we got here um but that was because my dad had came out here and um he worked for six months with his brother his oldest brother is 20 years older than him and they have the same mom and dad uh, which is my grandma Celia I was named years after separation yeah children. yeah wow. Gil is uh, Gil is the oldest and uh, my dad Daryl is the youngest and they were 20 years apart and so I was named after their mother mm. yeah and she was actually pregnant 18 times wow no thank you <laughs> no doubt she had 10 children and lived to adulthood so there's there's a lot of them but um so Gil's like a really famous knife maker so my dad was out here helping him do the um the Rambo 3 knife because United Cutlery wanted a bunch of originals made so my dad came out and uh, was part of the team that helps with all those and he liked it out here so he moved us you know all the way out here from mm. uh, we were in Idaho at that point I was in Idaho for three years um Washington, New Mexico, Idaho, yeah, then here, I think. <laughs> there might have been a few other places. Idaho is one of the favorite states I have been to. Yeah, I lived in Pocatello. I, I loved it there. It's a beautiful state. It's very nice. Uh, I got to visit. My cousin moved out there for a while, and I got to visit him uh, for a week. It was, just was a, And that's what we did. We took off in the truck and put camping gear in the back and went disappeared into the mountains for a while we were there uh it was a camping trip him and i camped all the time when we were younger uh do you remember the first time you started using um let's see i know i drank in in high school some not much because i was a real stickler for the rules mm. it's like oh my god you can't do that oh <gasps> you'll get in trouble i mean i stick up my ass something really bad um I was like insanely worried about ever getting in trouble. Like I had to have absolutely perfect grades, you know, like a hundred wasn't good enough. I needed 107. Mm. Um, yeah. And like even in college, uh, the teachers would be like assigning projects so that people could like raise their grade to get enough to pass. And I would do that too. And mm. get, like, extra credit. Overachiever. Just a bit, you know, I'm like why no one cared but me. Like, I'm the only one that cared. Um, but, yeah, I never really wanted to get in trouble, and I, I had a really bad problem with uh, anorexia when I was young. Like, I started thinking, I know that I've thought that I was fat since I was four, and I was never fat a day in my life until, like, recently, the last couple of years. You're still not fat. <laughs> well, thank you, but I think so. But, yeah, people say that, but I'm like, I used to be really tiny and fit. I was cute, but not anymore. So now I'm like, I feel like a big poofy version of me, but the fact that I'm like, I'm okay 
with it is like it's such a relief to not be like beating the shit out of myself mentally hating myself and just that that inner torture in your head having just not having that i don't care about yeah yes peace another miracle of recovery is i'm okay you know actually i like me real well today so a whole a whole lot of my my issues are right in line with my sponsor which is how i knew also knew she was going to be perfect for me too funny how the universe will do that too both have food issues both crazy type a <laughs> both overly perfectionist yeah, uh, yeah. and then uh, both of us our food turned into alcoholism so but yeah i mean i drank some in high school and like i liked it and stuff but i was always so worried about calories like i really didn't have like a problem where i was like drinking too much like where I couldn't stop and didn't know it, you know, didn't, didn't realize I'd lost control of it. I didn't, didn't really, that didn't start till I was probably about like 29 or 30. So I was married to Noah, um, right around then. That's when I, cause I met Noah in 2007 and then we got married in 2009, which yesterday would have been 14 years, but mm. rest in peace. Oh, really? He passed away, huh? Oh yeah. Uh, three years after I left him, he OD'd. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they um, cremated him and held the service on what would have been his 34th birthday, wow. the day after Christmas. But it was seven years. Like three years after y'all split up. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, most of my story is about him because that's like where my drinking started. I had tried some drugs right before I met him, but you know, I I always was found he a heroin it. Heroin so, OD. I believe so. I believe so, because that was his thing, because pain pills were... Mm-hmm. And the cops told me, you know, like, when we split up and stuff, and they were they found out about his pain pill addiction, and they were like, well, he's going to go to heroin, and that was, like, the first time I'd ever heard of that, because I didn't, I didn't know anything about heroin, like, other than what you've seen in TV or movies. Right, yeah. That's, we were, my guest was here the other night, the same thing, he ended up being a heroin addict, you know, and we were talking, and it's like, you know, it was just movie stuff. Right. Uh, well, and I saw him I use it on uh, on Breaking Bad, and like they laid down and like had a weird dream. I'm like, if I'm gonna do drugs, I want some energy. I want to run around the house. I want to get everything done. I would hear uh, in like the '60s and '70s music culture. I would hear about the heroin. Like I think you know, a couple of those rock stars had problems and that kind of thing. But it just seemed so far away. And then you know, obviously, it infested the entire country at at, at a certain point there, and still has. Uh, still has its hooks in 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 a good deal of it so uh you were saying that the, this noah's death is what really made well, you just our, our marriage in general i mean like because he started out so perfect the first two years he was absolutely perfect i mean my hero mm. the man could do no wrong like and everything was just oh, oh noah you know i mean gorgeous talented artistic amazing human being mm. hell of a great guy and he always had like the best things to say like he he was so like i would be like like when we ran our own company you know we which we did for like eight years and i sacrificed everything run around we, we ran our own business ran your own business ran yeah your own company yeah ran our own company with like employees and all that and um that was about seven or eight years of my life. What kind of company was it? What was you doing? Um, koi ponds, hardscapes, you yeah. know, yep. um, little bit of like landscaping, mostly water features. Yeah. Pondless and pond, like koi ponds and just waterfalls and stuff. Yep. But everything, he was from Colorado, so we both grew up, you know, up there in the Rockies, so everything had to look like God put it there, you know. Yeah. 
Um, That's the way they should look. Exactly. Oh, if we drove past somebody else's water feature and you could see like the hose or the drain pipe, we're like, oh, <laughs> you know, judging, we're automatically yeah. judging. Like, look at that piece of crap. <laughs> you know, we're really picky about like which way you place a rock, you know. Like, I was the only person that he ever let help place rock oh, yeah. on a job. And we had all kinds of employees, but nobody could touch, like, where the rocks went because they're too picky about it. You know, it was a little, he was a little controlling that way. <laughs> yeah, but there's also, uh, you know, if you're like a, you know, a craftsman type of person where you're doing that, I, you know, there's yeah. also some... There's uh, a right way and a wrong way. To that, you yeah. know? I mean, I'm not going to let somebody get in and start monkeying around with something I'm building. No, I'm not uh, going to let somebody <laughs> touch one of my cards or one of my paintings. Get off. You don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, we um, everything I did for the longest time was to build that company up. We started that company with absolutely nothing. And by in no time at all you know i had to quit my job at the law firm and and work full-time for our company and i was doing like the website and the payroll and like all the taxes and paper paper everything you know administrative and um everything marketing oh no i'm just seeing where it levels uh, but um no problem didn't mean to derail oh you're fine but I mean, it was it was twenty four seven. It was all we did: eat, sleep, and breathe this company, and uh, build it, and build it, and build it. And like we were getting like eighty thousand dollar contracts by the end. You know, that last year we had um, gotten called out from the University of Louisville to come put in a rain recycling system, like all kinds of things. And these were all based on like all my marketing ideas and stuff and then his creative quality work um so i mean we both worked really really hard on it but then it, when it got to the point where like there was really good money in it the money went right up his nose because i knew he had a pain pill addiction he told me that when we first got together but like he i didn't know what that meant at the time <laughs> i didn't really understand yeah, it i, I didn't know. get yeah, it right that's what happens you grow up mormon and in a closet you yeah. don't know these things so but like I you know I get you there, but that doesn't compute yeah, uh, I to most people. I didn't understand at all. It's only really in the last 20 years or something has it really been something that's of common knowledge. I remember. Yeah, and then like we're um, you know we're digging holes and lifting rocks and working hard all day long. We don't have health insurance because we own our own business. So it's like he needed to buy pain pills on the street. I'm like, well, yeah, your back hurts, I bet. You know, there's no other way to get them. And then it just snowballed yeah. once once that started, and then it For got a guy to, that likes him like me, you know. Like, and uh, I always tell this little story that to like, it gave me energy. You know, I can go and be productive. I felt like I was operating at an optimum level when I was high on opiates. Like my dad, he will take have a, something happen, and he'll get a little five milligram hydrocodone, and he'll take it, and he'll be on the couch for five six hours. You know, mm-hmm. he's out. He's, yeah, they make me sick. Passes out. But when I get them, when well, you give me some of them, and I'm vacuuming the house and raking the leaves and uh, <laughs> washing all the dishes. Yeah, that's, uh, changing the tires. <laughs> yep, and that's one of the problems. That's the thing about this adverse reaction to uh, chemical. Yeah. They're not really supposed to do that to you. They're supposed to relieve your pain. <laughs> yeah, for me, they, they, made, they made me throw up and go to sleep. Yeah, a lot of that's. Yep. A lot of people hate them. I did never, I never saw the appeal in them. 
but um, evidently they, he was like you. Alcohol and opiates <laughs> are a few of my favorite things. He was a lot like you, and then it turned into like Molly, um, a little coke here and there when you can find it, but you never could, and. Um, then like he was drinking in the mornings and i was so miserable like i just was there was no way that i could deal with it unless i was drinking too mm. you know um so and then, and then it was, for me it was just so easy to blame it all on him for the longest time and then when i got into recovery it was kind of like oh really i did play a part in some of that mm. and like he's been dead for how long and how many times have i still picked up the bottle like obviously I had something to do with that but it was just so easy to point the finger and blame it all on him for the longest time but I mean I guess if I'm an alcoholic I was born that way I was going to come out at some point anyway it really wasn't his his fault but um and you know this whole thought of this you know this spiritual sickness we have you know and it can manifest in like the eating disorder stuff you know and, and with some people it it evolves you know you switch you get over this and you get a new one you feel pretty proud of yourself that you're not got that problem anymore yeah and, and i really don't care too much about this current thing i got going on because I'm, I'm 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 better than i was right, right. and uh it's a it's a, it's amazing it's a funny how thing so it's how it you know some people just go straight to alcoholism and they're just you know they're one trick ponies <laughs> uh, yeah. other people you'll watch this thing kind of evolve and change and uh and progress is what we say it also helped me to talk myself out of the fact that i couldn't possibly be an alcoholic because i didn't used to be you know <laughs> i didn't used to have a problem with it so there's no way uh but yeah and then uh, finally i uh, i finally got into one of my treatments one of the treatment centers a few years ago and that you know i was learning more about how it is progressive especially in women or whatever and mm -hmm. like you know like oh you might have gone you know not like nine months when i was traveling with this guy um dennis that i was with we traveled and we were so broke that like because we were doing cable work all over the country and we were so broke there was no money for like anything um that i wasn't i didn't drink at all that like that nine months but I thought about it constantly. Like, it would not shut up. And I never realized that until, you know, many, many years later when I'm in a treatment center. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't really actually make it the nine months, you know, without drinking. Yeah, I didn't drink. But, I mean, it was, I was miserable. Mm -hmm. That's all I thought about. Yep. And I, most of us, you know, there were periods of sobriety. I haven't been nonstop since I started. I, I would get usually my tail feathers to catch on fire somehow, whether it's the DUI or the wife's mad or some kind of something's happening that's causing me to have to buckle down. Uh, Wake in your up case, in the a lack ICU. of money, you know, if you can't afford it, yeah, if you're in right. uh, <laughs> any number of things can cause us to have a period where we, we stop. And then that also reinforces that. That, that thought that we don't have a problem because we did stop yep yeah um definitely definitely took a, a long time to like convince myself and did you be, go to treatment while y'all were still married um no no okay, yeah. so it was after his yeah um uh we we split up and then uh, you know all was the, it over the drug use and uh, or just the yeah, compatibility um, with an addict? He had uh, he had started to get really violent. Mm. Um, Christmas Eve, two thousand eleven, he broke my neck. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, no health insurance, so I'd walk around like that for a while. 
Uh, well, it was five years before I had a, a cervical fusion. Most people get a cervical discectomy. I had to have a vertebrectomy because I had a smashed vertebrae and then um, and two discs were um, ruptured completely. Mm. I've got six or seven more bulging discs. In my sp- There's not a single disc in my spine that doesn't have an issue. There's quite a few of them that are bulging. So like, you know, a 10 mile an hour impact in a car and it's ruptured. Not I'm, all from him, but just from different things. Mostly, yeah, mostly from him. Mostly from him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I've had like a fender bender, uh, like twenty something years ago. But how would he hurt your back? Huh? How would it be that your back and neck? What was he doing at that? Uh, oh, he, he held me down on the on the living room floor and pressed his his neck into me, and or he presses his fists and his knees and everything was wow. pushing down on my neck and I was trying to get up I was trying to fight him off and uh, I actually broke off all of my fingernails on him trying mm. to get him off of me now, he didn't remember any of it the next day so I wake up Christmas morning and my options are you know uh, call the police and have him arrested then how do I pay my mortgage you know and um or I could take a shower and uh, just leave it alone. And so that's what I did. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he had to wear a turtleneck up to here. Um, we go up to his parents' house and fake Christmas. Wow. You know, like everything's so fine. <laughs> and you're both hurt. Yeah, and I got no fingernails, so I can't even unwrap anything. Like, I'm, I've needed to wear gloves, honestly. But, um, yeah. Awful. Yeah, it was not fun. Um, I gave away my tree. I didn't even put up a tree that year, but I, I gave it away. And like, I don't screw. Tainted. Yeah, uh, not into it. But, um, you know, and then afterwards, you know, and the police, you know, a couple of years later when I did leave for good, they were like, you know, there there's a 20-year statute of limitations on that. You know, you need to go after him. You need to go to the grand jury. And I'm like, why? Because everything else, they didn't care. They didn't care. I mean, I had the EPO and was staying at my parents' house, and he would call there, and they'd be like, well, maybe he wanted to talk to your parents. We can't do anything about that. Mm. Like, y'all don't, they didn't give a fuck. (laughs) They didn't give a shit, and they didn't do anything. Absolutely nothing happened to him. And I was like, I'm not putting myself through any more of that. Because I knew what kind of questions they are going to ask me, you know, uh, about about how my neck got broken, what he did to me. And then they were going to, obviously, they're going to be like, well, did you ever have sex with him again? You know, like, I'm not doing, I'm not having this conversation with you assholes, you know, not going to do it. Um, like, even the surgeons, they want to know how my neck got broken. Like, I'm not going to talk about it. Just fix it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I could not turn my head for a few years, uh, probably about eight. Wow. Uh, yeah, I had to have a chiropractor, like, adjust my jaw to where I could, like, eat more than soup. <laughs> it still pops in and out, like, constantly, all the time. I'll yawn, and I'll be like, ow! <laughs> um, yeah, it's never quite been the same, but, I mean, there was... So there the was, separation had to involve police. He was... Oh, yeah. You were, you were looking to leave, but he wasn't la- looking to let you leave. Yeah, I was like a runaway uh, in my socks um, with the dog, um, Kermy. You know, um, he's been with me through it all, so... Wow. My, we had to hide in the bushes more than once. Um, I taught Kermy 
I taught him, like, I go, shh, incognito, incognito. Oh, really? We're hiding from daddy. I have to train your dog to help you hide from Uh-huh. Him. Yeah, yeah, he learned how to I'm hide. Get air conditioner off. It was a little stuffy in here when I got home from work. Now it's already getting cold. We had that little pause in there, but that's just the way it is. Uh, I could probably go out and get that out of there. Yeah, there was uh, there was a lot of hiding and being quiet. I mean, poor Kermy. Yeah, he got traumatized a lot as well. For yeah, thank goodness he wasn't a human being. But I mean, still, even as a dog, the shit that he witnessed and saw. I mean, it screwed him up. Did he hurt? Did he? Was he violent towards the dog at all? Um, no, but he would try to take him from me. Like that's punitive. He was always taking like my keys, my debit card, my phone, you know. And then he'd try to get the dog. And like I would run away, like you know, in my socks, you know, <laughs> holding the dog, no leash, no nothing, just run. It was. I mean, the whole neighborhood thought I was crazy. I'm sure. But, it is insanity. Yeah, it is insanity. I, guess I ran more than once, but and traumatic yeah and then of course the cops the first time i got away from him then they 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 forced me to do the dbo and all that and then they started treating me like total crap like i was going to take him back when this is the very first time i've ever left him and i was like why are they treating me this way and i found out later it's because so many people so many women do go back to abusive men or whatever or vice versa but um but they they automatically treated me like I was going to, and I was sitting there like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, <laughs> like a newcomer in recovery. I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Total denial, but um, yeah. And then there was the the house fire. That was the end of our relationship. Um, that the whole actual house there was a house fire, and then uh, I went and stayed with my parents. Uh, How did the house get on fire? Uh it's a long story. <laughs> uh, he pled guilty to it. Hmm. Yeah. He pled guilty to it. I'll, I'll say that much. It was, it was not an accident. No. It was set on fire. Yes. And then there was an arson investigation, which I do not recommend. Um, and actually... Even with him pleading guilty to it in court and signing the insurance papers saying that he started the fire, uh, he still got more money out of it than I did. Hmm. Like, in what world do you get money on an insurance claim when, when you, you did it? the fire, yeah. When does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> he had that kind of charisma. <laughs> I don't know. He got like six grand. Huh. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... And then I think I, I got a, like four grand, and then I did nothing with that but put it in savings. And then when my five months, the judge, Judge Finley gave me five months on my EPO or DVO. And um, as soon as that five months was up, there he, there he was. Hmm. Because he knew I still had the money. <laughs> I hadn't spent any of it. He went through his, all of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he wanted the he wanted mine, so he Did got he it. it. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I decided that his crazy was more predictable than my mother's crazy, hmm. so I would just go back. So you didn't have any place else to go. Right, and I thought, well, if I play my cards right, you know, I'll get the house this time. You know, like 
because we were still going through everything, having it repaired and blah, blah, blah. And so we did end up moving back in. It still had a subfloor, <laughs> sleeping on a roll of carpet. <laughs> you know, it worked. And that's here in this area. Oldham County. Yeah, East End. It's like, right, actually, it's a, that neighborhood is in Jefferson and, and Oldham County, yeah. but the house is technically in Oldham, but actually, we had two lots, and one lot is registered in Jefferson, and one's registered in Oldham, so it's right on the line. I like to think that the system wouldn't break down at that level around here. Like, uh, if you just, you know, I don't know, I guess it's a prejudicial thing, but... Uh, Oh, they don't care. The system. The Oldham County cops, the Oldham County police are the stupidest people I've Hmm. ever met. Like, when I had trouble with him, one time I left, got in my truck that started without a key. Thank God. That's why I called her champ. Sometimes she did that. My 94 F-150 I loved so much. But um, I drove it up to Norton Bronsboro Hospital, which is the closest hospital. And I went in there and I asked for the police, asked them just to call the police and refuse medical treatment, even though I was needing medical treatment. But I had Kermit with me and stuff, so they put us in the chapel. And and I was like, I'll get over the injuries, you know, and be fine. But I asked for Jefferson County Police, and they came and they talked to me. And once they found out that I lived in Oldham County, technically, they were like, oh. We can't. We got to call them kind of... Jurisdiction. Right. Yeah. And then they, you know, but they went back to the house. They arrested him and all that, but it didn't, none, of, none of that mattered. Yeah. They didn't end up doing nothing to him. I mean, he stole my handgun uh, when we were apart, and I tried to report my handgun missing because it's registered to me. I have a concealed carry permit, you know, and I'm like, so I go to the sheriff's department in Odom County to report that, and they're like... This big fat guy named Mike said, no, 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 we don't, we don't do police reports for missing guns. Really? (laughs) So when he kills somebody with it and y'all like, who's this gun registered to? And you come knocking on my door. Yeah, no, they don't, they don't do that. They do not take uh, police reports. They did not. Yeah. You mean? That's what they said. Yeah. Well, I understand, but... I have a hard time swallowing that that is what happens. I mean, it had some kind of failure in the system thing. It's that was not the regulation. I've been nothing, that was not the rule. I've been nothing but failed by the police. I've never, never right. done much of any good for me, That's ever. Cool. Yeah. I mean, they've been rude, blatantly rude, and uh, sometimes some of them will be helpful, you know, but not for the most part don't really need any of them i've told them before i'm like next time i need help i'll do it myself thanks <laughs> they're they're really not there for you it's kind of like um like um when i very when i very first had left him and uh, judge finley gave me the five months and all that and then judge finley was like you know you should you should get some counseling or whatever you know and i'm like oh, okay so i call the uh the center for women and families and i'm um, like you know Judge Finley said to call and to get some, you know, some counseling for domestic violence. And they were like, well, uh, we have a four month wait. So here's the number to the suicide hotline in the meantime. Wow. Six. So after all that time of waiting, this uh, chick named Elise was supposed to be my counselor. She showed up and met me for the first visit scheduled the next ones she'd call 20 minutes before the next appointment to confirm that i was still going to come and she wouldn't show up 
So that's what I've had from the counselors, the Center for Women and Family, the police, I mean, everyone. So I was like, Psh. Yeah. Yeah. You just quit banging your head against yeah, the wall. Like, I'm smart. like, never mind. <laughs> you think there's help out there until you actually go and call and try to use the services and they're not there. Hmm. You know, you can talk about the center for this or the center for that, but until when you call them and you actually need help and they tell you no. Yeah. Because that's what basically happened to me every single time. And I, I never really thought, I never saw the world that way. You know, because I was always, you know, with my paralegal brain, I was always believed in the justice of the system. (laughs) Me too. Uh, I do. It's not there. My experience has been, you know, not that, but. Yeah. uh, There's times that I've needed the systems. I know I might have had a little trouble. There seemed to have been a clog in the beginning. It was like you had to really want it to get through the door. Like the first time you knocked on the door, they didn't answer. Uh, That's happened with CPS and stuff like that. But subsequent times, uh, my experience has been better than that. Sorry that's happened to you. I have bad luck. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. And you're using alcoholic at that point? Um, yeah, uh, on and off, you know, but no, no I was, one of the things was never getting using treatment. Using alcoholics and addicts have horrible luck. Like, it's one of the yeah, kind we're of magnets. cliche thing I say, you know, I had such horrible luck when I was using. And like, I've since I've stopped, my luck has gotten better. You know, things <laughs> seem to be working out a little better for me today. That could be it, because I, uh, I was not well. You know, whether even like if it was a period of sobriety, I was still screwed up as yeah. all can be. But even in your sick, it doesn't mean you shouldn't receive the support. So, or yeah, maybe you need it more. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but I don't know. Addicts and alcoholics can get tossed yeah. in the back line too sometimes, and the cops and that kind of stuff, they get their. Yeah. Well, we're out of dealing they, with us. my dad's friend, my dad was friends with one of the sheriffs, and, um, like they were they after they interviewed me after the house fire and stuff they they were like oh my god this has been going on so long like she thinks this is normal and like i remember even just maybe eight years ago or something uh this radio show i used to listen to there was this thing about somebody getting slapped and i was like people get slapped get over it like Mm. that's not domestic violence you want to know domestic violence is have a seat i'll explain it to you and then uh people like no celia slapping people is domestic violence that's not normal and i'm like oh (laughs) oh even slapping people okay but it got normalized to you through this this one man completely normal yeah i mean it went from um you didn't experience that kind of behavior at home growing up oh no 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 uh my parents most stern conversation might have been something like yes dear okay you know sometimes people are normalized to that because that was the what they saw growing up no this happened to you with this particular relationship it all happened very slowly yeah and i found out later that that's actually like normal that they start out like where they're super overly concerned they don't want anything to happen to you they don't want you to get hurt you know like oh you're so fragile let me take care of you and then like next thing you know you're not allowed to go to walmart without permission you know even if they never come home (laughs) it's an interesting uh 
dynamic I've, I don't know uh, I, I, that that whole controlling aspect of and I you know know people right now that are in yeah. those kind of situations and that they're, there's a controlling aspect happening and uh, again it's just uh, sometimes they, when something's not a piece of your experience it's tough to understand the tolerant the the one the one was one point I I took a black chisel sharpie and I wrote on the wall in the bedroom on my side of the where on the wall like where I would see it first thing in the morning and and last thing at night and I wrote in chisel sharpie just shut the fuck up it's not worth it hmm. I stopped asking questions wow and uh, it just it got to be way too much I asked the question like I was getting hit if something else was being taken from me like it was just absolute chaos it was so beyond like I can't fathom like so he actually did feel bad at one point because when he saw that he was kind of like why did you put that on the wall and I'm like just to remind myself and he actually did feel bad there for like one minute there was a little he had a human moment <laughs> you know but it didn't last did your parents know all this was going on? Oh, at the time, I was pretending like I was just fine. Hmm. Yeah, everything was great. Um, yeah, I got really, really good at pretending that I was fine when I wasn't, which is why I don't do that anymore. Now, if I, I'm dating somebody who's being an asshole, I'll call everyone I know and I'm like, you won't believe what this motherfucker just said. <laughs> I do not pretend like I'm fine. I'm like, he's an idiot. <laughs> You know, I'm like, he'll apologize tomorrow, but God damn it. You know, but I do, I do not, I do not pretend like I'm fine anymore. I'm like, no, it's not okay. Because <laughs> uh, a lot of people were really, really took back. Like my friends, you know, they were like, what in the hell? Like they didn't, they had no idea. You know, um, they didn't know like how bad the drugs and the drinking had gotten. They didn't know about the violence, you know. Yeah, they didn't know about him like taking everything from me all the time um, and I do remember one point my friend Kim after I think it was when I had got back with him she was like if he takes everything from you all the time like well maybe you should send those pictures of your bruises and stuff you know to me and I'm like oh okay I'm like well you're gonna get a picture with fucking handprints on my ass <laughs> like black handprints <laughs> I'm like do you really want to see that <laughs> <laughs> but I just I sent her everything because yeah I would I would uh, that way that like, she would have the backup pictures because I was like this time I'm gonna have pictures at least you know because I didn't do any of that before I just pretended like he was so fucking perfect and everything was great you know because I had this like fairy tale I guess going on in my head that actually lasted I know for quite a bit longer than that because I kept him up then at first I was like pissed off and angry hate you scared of you blah 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 and then it's like oh he's dead I'm so sad blah 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 and then it's like oh you know we were supposed to be together forever mm. <laughs> well what's the point of the rest of my life now you know and it's just it's crazy cause I stop and think about it now that I'm in recovery and I'm like I feel like my childhood was like one life like, my 20s of absolute, like, crazy perfectionism was another life. And, like, my 30s with the drinking and the drugging was another life. And now I'm 42, and I'm on my fourth life. Like, I feel like I've been four completely different people. 
So I'm like, how could he have had, like, the biggest part of my life when he was such a small part of it, for real? Because he was only around for eight years. Yeah, like, and if we were supposed to be together forever, I'm like, he really wasn't that great. And I didn't learn any of that until I did my fifth step with my sponsor. And she was like, "Mm, he's kind of an asshole, Celia. Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. He was criminal. Uh, A bit. (laughs) She's like, why are we still thinking it? That's called criminal violence. Yeah. Yeah. But, um a lot to get over that you know and then it's just so funny to see i started like with the the most recent iop i had with chris and it's like oh i'm over it (laughs) i'm over it it's been years i've had a therapist for three years i'm over it Mm -hmm. bullshit i'll never be over it like it's fucked me up for good it's tragic it's not funny no (laughs) no i know i asked my my sponsor says I do that where I, I make jokes as like a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. But hey, if you're going to laugh or cry, right? I'd, I'd prefer to laugh. But uh, yeah, she told me at my fifth step that we weren't going to be laughing. And uh, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> but yeah, I remember she was telling me, she's like, he's kind of an asshole, Celia. I'm like, really? <laughs> Like, you know, the I just sit there. doesn't come from the camouflaging it with the laughter, though. Right. So covering that doesn't, yeah. and we don't get any better until we actually face that and actually I had see to it sit for there what with it really it. is and yeah. sit there with it, feel yeah. those feelings and get some clarity of perception, you know, because you're obviously your perception had been uh, whacked and <laughs> you're just not, your eyes don't work anymore. Your ears don't work anymore. You're not seeing the same thing as what any normal sane person would be seeing of that situation. Oh, not at all. Yeah. I mean, total denial for the longest. I mean, years and years after that, still in denial. You know, I'm still coming out of it. Yeah. Lovely recovery path I'm on. Yeah, well, (laughs) it beats not. Oh, it's so much better than being miserable. As I do remember being married to him and laying in bed wishing he would shut up because he's out in the living room screaming hollering about something I don't know and I was drinking uh, fireball shots and I was like I was high as a kite from smoking weed and then drinking and I remember thinking like why do I keep doing this to myself Mm. and I'm like oh yeah because I'm miserable (laughs) like I started smoking cigarettes because I just I had such a death wish I was just wanted to die so bad and then, of course, he ends up dying. That lucky bastard. He gets everything. <laughs> like, I'm now I'm stuck here. Like, it was supposed to be me and you forever, like, against the world. And now it's just me. Thanks, <laughs> fucker. Uh, so I was pissed, you know, that he was dead and I was stuck here. And then I was trying to join him and that didn't work. Apparently, I'm still supposed to be here, so... By trying to join him, meaning you tried to kill yourself? Multiple times. Yeah, like, uh, when I had my hip surgery um, in November 2021, they was so messed up. My hip hurt so bad before surgery, and I never took anything other than bourbon or vodka. And uh, they gave me pain pills for post-op, and I'm like, I don't need these. I woke up from surgery like, oh, thank God, that feels better. 
<laughs> I didn't need the pain pills. So I Google how much of this hydrocodone stuff is a lethal dose. And it said like nine or 12 of them were or something like that. I don't remember. But so I took way more than that and a half a bottle of sleeping pills and drank a bunch of alcohol and uh, all I got was fucking groggy as shit for two days mm. oh, god damn it that was yeah. supposed to be lethal <laughs> I don't know that there is well yeah there is there's a lethal but like uh, opiates are not the lethal that's not the one you want to take if you want to but you'll hit the ceiling on the Tylenol in them before you'll hit the ceiling on the opiate in them yeah I don't know these things, but yeah. it didn't. I've become a, uh, got a minor in chemistry in, in my <laughs> drug use. I googled and it, man. I did my research. Too. It just didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean that's not the closest I got. The worse than that was um, uh, September, end of September of 2020. Um. I don't remember what all I swallowed. I do remember drinking. I had started with vodka, the 99 proof shots. I think of like peach or something. And I just drinking like crazy. I was on the phone with my sister who lives in Michigan, has a heart condition, the poor thing. I put her through hell. Um, so I'm on the phone with her and I've been drinking and drinking and I start just swallowing every fucking thing I've got in the house, you know, like flexorils or just whatever. I don't know. I don't think I had anything like too serious. It was mostly alcohol, but, um, and then I switched to bourbon and then, um, I woke, that was a Thursday evening that I remember. I don't remember opening the bottle of bourbon. I know I had it, but I only remember drinking the vodka and telling my sister I was going to take a bunch of pills. And um, she ended up calling my brother, because he lives here locally, my oldest brother, and um, he uh, raced over in his... He he had just gotten his one of his Beamers at that time. So he races over in that, and... Uh, I don't know, they had to call 911, like the EMS, they had to bust my door in, you know, with an axe, and... Uh, take me off to the hospital all unresponsive of course my neighbors are out there like staring at all the little old ladies like oh there goes Celia you know <laughs> uh, but they took me to uh, Norton Bronzeboro and put me in the ICU I was there for five days but the first three days I was still unconscious so I don't remember any of that uh, apparently I'd been on a ventilator so here it is it's 2020 it's the year it's you know COVID and ventilators are like really in need and I had to have one because of my dumbass behavior um just add that to my shit pile of bad things I've done um but yeah I woke up um Saturday evening-ish I was starting to come out of it but I was like still drunk as fuck didn't know where I was like crawling around like on the hospital bed trying to I was looking for my phone uh, and there's like wires and tubes and I'm like what the hell and there's a security guard and a whiteboard and I'm like <laughs> slowly figure out you know my little 4.0 ass finally figures out that I'm in the hospital and if you if you have a security guard in the hospital you know you did something stupid really stupid so I'm like great um and so my brother came Sunday. They told my family that I was awake. Because they did not know for those three days if I was going to wake up or not. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so my brother came on Sunday, and then he got to explain to me what I had done. Um, nobody else wanted to see me or talk to me or whatever, but Ben came and he, you know, he told me you know, like what I had done and that I'd been on the phone with my sister and she she nearly had to go to the hospital. Like she, you know, she was losing it because um, they had to wait like 18 minutes for the 911 call till I made it to the hospital to be told that I was in the ICU on a ventilator and I was still unresponsive. You know, so they didn't know if I was going to live or not. And, uh, um, yeah, so I definitely, definitely hurt them really bad. And so when I, after those five days, um, Ben, um, he took me over to the Brook KMI and I fought tooth and nail. I was like, I don't need to be impatient. I'll do outpatient stuff. I don't need to be impatient. Don't put me in there. Uh, I had never been impatient in a, in a facility like that before. So I also had never been in jail yet. So I thought that it was going to be like jail. Like, mm. I thought it was going to be horrible, like really bad. And um, it wasn't. I had a pretty pleasant experience there. You know, it was the first time being around other people like me um, that, you know, get it. Like that's just that's priceless just to be around other people who understand, you know, the way our brains work. Um, but uh, I remember... Um, I was there for nine days, and it was like day two or three or something, and I was in one of the dependency classes, and we were supposed to go around and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, and and I'm an alcoholic, or what have you, and uh, I was like, I'm Celia, and I have a drinking problem. Like, I still didn't think (laughs) I was an alcoholic, (laughs) you know, when I just came from the ICU, (laughs) Well, that's, uh, you know, I say a lot of times people that first show up in a meeting, they don't know what alcoholism is. And if they're just parroting what the rest of us are saying, they don't, they say I'm an alcoholic, but they don't know it yet. Right. When you first get here, you don't know what that is. Yeah. And I just. It's probably more accurate to say, I think I have a drinking problem, or I think I'm an alcoholic, or yeah. something like that. But until you get educated, uh, you know, we, we don't. We don't come with that knowledge, you know, and there's something about the disease that wants to deny it. it you know, you can, we see these other people and they got a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had a lot of that around me where I could really easy tell that you were an alcoholic. Yeah. While I'm sitting here pounding beers all day long telling you I'm managing it. Right. You know, uh, and it's just interesting. I think it's part of our, you know, this mental illness. Yeah. Um, so I did the IOP after that for 30 days, and that IOP was a joke, uh, but I didn't know it at the time. But, I mean, all they did was read the same sections out of the big book every single day, hmm. three hours a day, five days a week. And I remember thinking, like, I can read this by myself. Like, what are you going to teach me while I'm here? You know, but I didn't know any better. It was... Um, there was no education going on? No. All we did was read the same one stuff. One of the places, and we had a bucket of readings. I still remember it for whatever, because it was when it was like, you know, this does not compute kind of stuff. And there was a basket as you walked in a room, and you had to pull something, and it was readings. And you had you were mandatory. You had to pull a card out of there and do the readings. But that's just it was the beginning of the meeting, and then they went on with the education and stuff. But that was before I was ready. You know, I was still denying that I 
needed any help with it, I would get a handle on this. I'll come here because people are telling me I need to come here, so I'll just shut them up. I'll come here. Yeah, it was uh, just the readings, and then they'd ask if anybody had any using dreams. and uh, Using dreams. Yeah. And at that time, I didn't. I didn't really know what, what those were. Um, but I was so scared at that point because I had heard of, you know, recovery doesn't have to be a part of, or relapse doesn't have to be a part of recovery, blah, blah, blah. But it often is. And like all these, you know, relapse stories. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't want that to happen to me. Like I put my family through enough. I'm a fucking asshole. Like surely to God, you know, what I just did has got to be bad enough like the lowest low like like, how much lower like i don't need to get any lower like surely to god that that's enough to scare my ass straight no no it wasn't (laughs) yep well you cannot scare an addict or alcoholic straight i did get my first 30 day chip at that point and i did earn that one and then a couple days later i started drinking again like i can have a little bit and and it was what two more years until I finally got help again, hmm. and then I had to go to jail and in between there and a couple more institutions and. What did you go to jail for? Uh, I was um, I was on like a vacation um, in Ohio and I was drinking and driving with uh, this guy that I was with and was drunk and couldn't drive, so I'm driving. It was a DUI. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I blew a I wouldn't have... You know, point. There's lots of ways we get to jail. I was curious about what how, yeah. what, what sent you to jail. I think I blew like a .26 or something ridiculous. I don't know. It was really bad. I can't remember now. Like, I got it, it written really down. It doesn't really matter that much. It was, it was really high. They gave me about. like an extra um, charge for how drunk I was. Mm. Yeah. Because like, it was re- really high. More than more than three times the legal limit. Yeah, it's like speeding. If you're so many miles over the speed limit, it extra comes right. And in Ohio, they uh, they make you do three days regardless. First offense doesn't matter. You do three days, and um, thank God that I had my COVID vaccination card on me, or they would have quarantined me for fourteen days then made me do my three days wow yeah they're serious up there (laughs) um and then after that um there was like the probation i lost my license for six months but then i just didn't give a shit about anything so i didn't bother i was like too busy trying to kill myself like who cares you know so i didn't actually get my license back till right at around a year so then because it had been more than exactly one year i think it was over a year by like a week maybe like eight or ten days something like it was just like a week over so i had to actually like go do the written test again and stuff and of course you know me i love tests so i was like studying i got this (laughs) but uh yeah and then i had to go to the dmv like eight nine times or something before i finally got my license back like i was there one day they took my picture and then they had to uh, evacuate it's at the bowman field location i had to evacuate for fecal matter Mm. cannot make that shit up so I'm like, you got to come back. You know, it's another couple more weeks for your next appointment. It took forever to, to actually get my license back when I finally felt like, okay, I should do this. But And I had to go back to Ohio and do a soft jail and a, um, in a hotel for four days and do an alcohol class. And I came home from that, and I got a margarita. 
<laughs> kept on drinking. Yeah, and my boyfriend Mark was like, "How can you get out of an alcohol class and then drink?" Like, he's a regular person. <laughs> He's very regular. He's like, what's wrong with you? Don't you see these bad circumstances that come from drinking? Like, why would you want a margarita? And I'm like, because that was shit. Give me one. Yeah. Well, and you know, those periods of, like, um, probation, I would stay sober and try to walk the line, you know. And I don't know. Uh, I knew that when the time was up, I would drink again. I was just waiting for the clock to tick down. I didn't want any extra consequences, and I knew I couldn't get caught while I was on probation. If I would drink then, I didn't want those consequences. But the day the paperwork was cleared, uh, it was time to party. It was like celebrate. Yeah. And right back at the same thing that just caused me all that pain and all that trouble, uh, dive right back in it. And you know, when I'm broke in that house and stole those pain pills the thing that got me the 6 to 20 years prison charges um, the very next morning I went and got the pain pills that I hid under a rock in the backyard and took a handful of them you know, right after last night I'd just done this complete pulled my entire life down on top of myself the very next day I'm using again yeah. the big book says we can't remember the the Remember the humiliation or suffering of a week or a month ago. Right. And sometimes can't remember it from yesterday. <laughs> then, yeah, like 12 hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Sad but true. But there was, from the time that you, um, I'm making an assumption here of at least what I'm hearing, at sometime in that point there in the 2020 timeline, you started actually seeking help. Yeah. Um, I, I ended up to accept it yet, but I ended boy, up impatient a few times. Um, turns out, if you get married to people, they can have you um, admitted if you threaten you're going to hurt yourself. Uh-huh. So I ended up admitted a few times, um, and not every other places were not like the brook. Uh, there are other places I would definitely not want to go back to ever. Um, so this, the very last time that I drank alcohol was um, April 23rd of 2022. And uh, I was still a little drunk on the 24th. So I used the 25th as my sobriety day because mm. I woke up sober that day. And I stayed sober that whole day. <laughs> um but uh, the the twenty fourth, I uh, I asked Mark to take me to the brook, and I asked him to take me to the one at Dupont for an evaluation. I was hoping to get put in outpatient, you know, because I have Kermit and everything to take care of. And I didn't feel like I needed inpatient again, but I knew I needed help. It wasn't never gonna stop. And I knew if it didn't stop, like. He doesn't know me that well. He, he's been putting up with a lot of shit. He's not going to put up with it for much longer. <laughs> and I don't want to be homeless. You know, and I had already lost my job. I didn't have a car. You know, like, shit was bad. And um, I had been trying to, like, not drink that much. But even, like, I was drink. I might drink, like, once a week, like, out at dinner, have a drink. But... I could not stop fucking thinking about it constantly. And um, it just, it wouldn't shut up. It was fucking exhausting. I do not miss that at all. 
And so I'm like, no, I'm this was the biggest fear is like, yeah, that first drink. Cause you, if you put one in me, I know I'm just, that's all I'm going to want is more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And I'm going to be right back where I was. So that just, no, thank you. <laughs> like, uh, uh-uh. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, you know, like, no, but, um, so I asked Mark to take me to the brook and they put me in, uh, Chris's outpatient program and, I started that right away, and that shit made sense. Like, he made sense. He actually brought all the education to the table and, like, explained how our brains work and Nero's pathways and, you know, the science and the facts behind it and how, like, you know, how alcohol turns into acetone and in our bodies, but not regular folks. You know, that's what the allergy is and the sitting off that phenomena craving and everything. And everything really started to make sense. And then I, because of his aftercare program i was able to see that there are other people she really does work for like and they care to actually come back and say hey yeah sober happy people running around right having fun like and at the end of all the meetings they'd be all like it works if you're working and you die if you don't woo and i was like shit like i want to be like woo but (laughs) i was so pissed off miserable angry and in the dark that was like there i had no woo in me it wasn't gonna happen i was like they did it (laughs) yep that is that's that's why we have the responsibility to show back up after the fact so that we can prove to the newcomer that it's possible and i don't know if i would have made it if it hadn't been for after the aftercare program And I was honestly supposed to miss that day. I didn't miss a single day of my IOP, but that aftercare day was the day I was finally supposed to close on my house, which I had moved in with Mark in January of um, 2023. And uh, my house was supposed to close. It was one of those, like, for cash, you know, just leave as is, whatever, walk away. I wasn't going to make anything off of it, really, but... um, Mostly because I had a $22,000 balloon payment I forgot about. Mm. <laughs> and then I had an $8,000 lien to Odom County for some shit. No, it did. They told me that they took care of, you know, way back in the day. Um, but they didn't. It started out as like 800 bucks and over nothing. It was really over nothing. And they, they said that they were going to take it away, but they didn't. And I'm like, fuck it, whatever. Take your fucking eight grand. You know, have it. Leave me the fuck alone. Um... But now I wish I just paid them the 800 years ago. <laughs> but whatever. Because if they, if I'd gotten any real money when the house finally closed, God knows what I would have done with it anyway. So I basically got nothing out of the house, but I got out of the house. And I got out of the, the fucking pain of Wells Fargo because there was so much of this bullshit and like trying to make that fucking mortgage payment and Wells Fargo trying to steal my house and just all these fucking things I went through to keep that house for 12 years like there's no way I was going to get sober in that house but um so it was supposed to close January 31st so uh I like packed everything in a big fucking hurry and got a storage unit and moved in with Mark and like got the hell out of there gave shit away like crazy rather than sell stuff because i was like a fire sale like gotta go gotta go gotta go you know i have such little time and then the house and these quick easy deals it didn't end up closing until the end of april april 28th um but it was supposed to they wanted me to come to the closing at like 10 a.m 
that Thursday, that first aftercare, that first week of IOP. And I was told Chris that I might, you know, I was going to have to miss it. And he was like, why would you, you know, he's like, you can't go in the afternoon. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know, because my brain's still that fucked up. I'm still that sick. It took Chris being all like, you know, they've jacked you around for four months. Why are you going to, you know, like, can you go later? And I was like, because he was like, it's aftercare day, and you haven't been to one of those yet, and you need, you need to go to an aftercare. And I'm like, okay. So I told them, kiss my ass, I'll be there, you know, after aftercare. And thank God I did, because that was when the first time that I saw my sponsor on there, and I knew she was the one for me. And, you know, and I saw that it worked for other people, and that they actually have a passion about it to come back to say that it does work and spread that hope, you know. And if it hadn't been for aftercare, I don't know if I would have stuck with all this or not, or if I would have just been trying to kill myself again, you know? It's like the week before I tied a bag over my head so, on my birthday. So. Mm. Um, yeah, because Wells Fargo and shit in the house, shit was pissing me off. It was supposed to close again. They would just keep scheduling the closing, and then come the day of, it wouldn't. And then it was supposed to close, and it didn't. And it's just, so thank god i don't have that anymore but i mean i have had to file bankruptcy to keep wells fargo from foreclosing on it when i when they couldn't take it from me legally anyway Mm. (laughs) but they tried to (laughs) like there's a reason there's like i'm in like 12 class action lawsuits against wells fargo they do not play fair you know they don't care um but yeah, there was there was just so much effort trying to keep that fucking place. It was like I can't give up now. Thank God, it finally was just like you know what? Yeah, fuck it, fuck that house, fuck everything I've done for it. It has to stop at some point because it, it seemed like same behavior to keep trying, you know. But it's like it's like just running and hitting your head in the wall again and again and again. Like oh, maybe one day I'll get through. <laughs> it seems to be a pattern. Yeah. Yeah, so I was stuck in that for a very long time. Well, people don't understand, you know, you're saying you heard Christopher, you know, and there's but there's people sitting in there with him today that are not hearing it. Oh, yeah. Uh, plenty of people come through there that, but I always tell people what a gift it was. You know, it was a gift to me, obviously, to meet him. I didn't meet him that way. I met him in just a room in an AA meeting. Uh, I actually didn't know what he did, but... <laughs> He spoke, and I heard him in a different way than what I'd heard other people, you know, some new frequency to me or something, you know, that, and what a gift people are getting when they land in his group, because there's, you're not going to get a better education on this disease, I don't think, by anyone. Nope. Uh, I would say I know he's the best in the area, and he may be the best ever. (laughs) I, I would say so. (laughs) <laughs> my humble opinion I yeah I say yeah again it's an opinion because uh, I don't yeah. uh, there's probably somebody uh, out there doing the same teaching it in a similar kind of effectiveness but um, that's still not enough for some people right it doesn't matter how good he is some people are the disease has got a hold of you to that point that you can't hear just a few weeks ago I'm uh, at the token three at the newcomers meeting I go there Wednesdays and Fridays for the newcomers at 630 usually skipped it tonight obviously but um um yeah uh there was a guy that came in I'm like he looked kind of familiar and after he said his name and uh, I heard his voice I was like yeah he was in my IOP from um April 
of 2022, and I kind of figured then that he wasn't, you know, going to be one of the success he stories. Ready. He wasn't ready. And, uh, yeah, he was sharing a story about being drunk at the uh, police station over here in southern Indiana somewhere, even though he lives in Louisville. <laughs> And how he needs help, and somebody want to sponsor him, and maybe he's ready. Maybe he's ready. <laughs> I wanted to go up to him and ask him if he thought about going back, going back to Chris's group, but I don't know if Chris wants it. I know Chris would never give up on anybody, but I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna not. Because he sees that, you know that. Yeah. And I think of one guy I sponsored today that came through Chris's group three times before he heard. Yeah. You know, before it, it sank in, and, and, and it, it, it takes what it takes sometimes. You know, that's the whole thing about to keep coming back, right? Yeah. yeah. For That's part of my story. I'm, I'm a product of keep coming back. That's the only thing I did right for four years was I kept coming back. Um, yeah. Uh, looking at it now, you know, it's like, you know, it was... Uh, I was... Uh, during the entire time I wasn't ready but I kept on exposing myself to it over and over and that's kind of one of the things that like today I talk about is like <clears throat> recovery is kind of an immersion thing you don't get to just stick your toe in the water you right know, that's what we try to do usually when we first get here is we try to just okay I can just take this little piece of it and get away with that and, and I'll be okay but the true thing is is it takes like a dip tank you know <laughs> it has to be an immersion where you get dipped fully into the into the solution uh, and uh, you know I just don't see it you're probably not an alcoholic if that's not the case yeah. You know, if you can take just a piece, and that's there's, we see that too. You know, when people come through the rooms that um, either the disease hasn't progressed to the same point, or maybe they don't have this real, true alcoholism, and they come in and they get well and they leave, and they stay sober. You know that uh, that never worked for me. No, yeah, it won't won't work for me because I know the back of my brain's gonna start talking like oh you know what you look at you you're doing great you're just fine you can handle one drink <laughs> and no. yeah and then next thing you know i'm probably gonna end up back in jail or a mental institution or i'm not confused the ICU. about what would happen to me if i yeah. took a drunk drink or a drug yeah i'm not confused one bit no and the life i have today i just simply won't uh sacrifice it's not worth the sacrifice i'm mm. not i'm i'm not willing to give up what i have today yeah, I'm way too happy. And, you know, I don't have my big fancy career anymore. You know, like, oh, my God, I was so underpaid, though, anyway. So I'm never doing that again anyway. But I don't have my big fancy career anymore. <laughs> you know, like, you know, litigation paralegal. Like, there's a legal secretary. There's, uh, you know, legal assistants. And then there's paralegals. And then there's litigation paralegals. Because that's a whole new ball game. Like, I had this shit down. I love that shit. And all I did was make attorneys rich. And they're paying me fucking nothing. I mean, like, I could drive a truck and make twice as much money. That is sad. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But no job. I don't know. I'm pretty damn happy. You know? I'm like, and I'm blessed that I'm not working right now that, you know, Mark takes care of the, our bills, you know, and takes care of me and Kermie. I'm very, very blessed for that. Um, and I take good care of him as much as I can, and I'm trying to make money here and there and, and whatever. But, you know, like, if I go and get a job again at this point, I, I mean, I can handle it now. But I know that, like, for me, during recovery, no. 
I don't think so, because that driving home from work, pissed off, stressed out, past every liquor store, every five fucking feet. <laughs> no, there's no way. Like that drive home from work was the fucking worst. And there's very, very, very few times that I made it from the office to the house <laughs> without stopping. Yeah, I usually didn't plan to. Yeah, no, and and then so there was that game of like my regular daily routine. Which one am I gonna go to? Because I went to that one yesterday, mm-hmm. and like if the same people are working. You know, they might think I have a problem. I should go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. I didn't ever get too hung up on that. Uh, I would go to the same place every day. Regular, kind of like the Cheers crowd, where go where everybody knew your name. Uh, <laughs> I should have. I would have saved money on gas. <laughs> they didn't. They knew anyway. Yeah, I started doing that when I started uh, pretending that I was sober. When mm. I first was trying, you know, I would go drive to Sellersburg to the liquor store. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't come. To, I wouldn't go to the one that's just right down the street here. Uh, I was afraid somebody I knew would pull in and catch me. You know, I'm supposed to be sober. I'm telling everybody I'm sober. Yeah. And uh, sneak drinking. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I do remember that, um, you know, the first couple of sponsors that I picked, I wasn't drinking just yet, but I remember thinking, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I could drink and they wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I don't want to. But, like, why would I be like, why was I still picking sponsors like that? Like, that was still my fucking disease, you know, back in 2020. I watch people pick sponsors all the time that they're not going to get sober with. Yeah. <laughs> Picking sponsors that like I know I can railroad them. Yeah, and I did, but I, and I wasn't drinking yet, and I thought I didn't want to, but like that disease was still fucking in charge, even though I didn't think it was. Yep. That yeah. is the disease. It's oh, a disease God. that makes you think you don't have it. Yeah, and at the time I definitely didn't think. I thought I was I was doing great. <laughs> like, I'm sober. I'm so good. Bullshit. And this time around, when I picked my sponsor, I was like, yeah, uh, she's smart. Like, she's really smart. She knows her shit. Like, if I pick her and she says yes and she's my sponsor, like, there ain't no way. (laughs) Like, I'm getting away with any kind of bullshit. Like, Mm. uh uh-uh. Cannot pull the wool over her eyes. No way. Like, she will know. (laughs) I was a little bit scared. And I'm like, then she'll fire me. And then, like, I don't like, yeah. I had those fears and, uh. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was scared to death. I, I didn't pick Christopher come and told me. He said something to me. I wanted him to, but I was too chicken to ask him. And he never raises his hand in the meeting either. And uh, now I know why. You know, I understand why why those reasons are for today. But at the time, I didn't know. And uh, and when he came up to me and said, I wanted him. I just knew I wanted him. But there's no way I could ask him. I was just too chicken. And when he come up to me and said he wanted to sponsor me, once I had him, I was scared to death that I would do something, you know, to lose him. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like, please don't. And then, you know, God wrapped some arms around me that nine months of home incarceration and things like that insulated me at some level. I know that, well, we can, like I always say, I can fuck that up as good as anybody. Uh, but there was something in my heart that kept me from doing it. And sometimes, uh, you know, I I would leave a meeting with the thought that I could slide by the liquor store on the way home and forgetting all about the fact I got this ankle bracelet on my ankle that the minute my I get in proximity of this house my breathalyzer would go off 
and call me to go blow in that breathalyzer. Oh, man. So every time I come home, it whistled for me. And uh, and if I stayed home all day long, it would whistle for me. Well, like I said, the record was seven times one Sunday. It whistled for me. I blew in that machine seven times one day. Uh, but I had forgotten, right? I'm leaving a meeting thinking that I can get away with drinking tonight. And I've got a bracelet on my ankle. That I'm not going to be able to, you know, uh, I'm not going to be able to beat the system that was wrapped up around me. I was, but, and I would come to that realization and I would think like, what is wrong with you? That you can't register that quicker, you know. Uh, you'd think you could register that quicker. You could say, "I can't drink tonight. I will have to go home and bowl in a breathalyzer." And that thing <laughs> would also catch you twice in a row and stuff too. They had it. Oh, they knew wow. what they were doing. So, because like if you let's say you know because you or me, we would come home with Pull our in liquor, it, think you're done, think we're done, <laughs> and get to drinking. And right. I remember one time, and I keep on pointing because it was actually upstairs. It was the only hot phone line in my house was upstairs. It was the only phone line that, and they needed it because it sent the results downtown through the telephone. Huh. Uh, it took I didn't a, know that you could do that. my photograph. It, this thing had a flash. Oh, so you couldn't have it. somebody else like do it for you. Nope. Uh. And it was also was linked up with my ankle bracelet. Oh, boy. So it knew that I was sitting in there, and it took a picture of me. And it took a picture of you while you were blowing on a straw, you know. So you, you oh. have, you've been you've had to blow on a device of uh, breathalyzer before. Uh, well, I tried one once that, that somebody else had it that in their in their car. Really, really, really Those hard. things are yo. Know, if I had yeah. to do it, like to be able to drive down the road, I, uh, uh, I'd pass yeah. out. Well, I, that's the no thing way. that was. I mean, it was full blown cheeks. Uh, yeah. What was the nope. old jazz musician? Louis Armstrong. Oh. He played it. Yeah. His cheeks would be out like this. That's what every picture looked like. Was me going. <laughs> blowing into that machine. Well, we can Photoshop can some other forget, things you know, on the alcoholic. I can still forget that that's laying in my next few minutes and and think that I can get away with yeah. that. It's nuts. It's you know people think you know, uh, it's one of the things about people having trouble getting their arms wrapped around this part of step 2 that says restore us to sanity that we weren't insane. Yeah. And like you no. Know, no. The thing that wasn't insane like it's not me. I'm the victim. <laughs> I'm yeah. the victim over here. It's all him. It's because this wouldn't have happened if it weren't for him. Yep. Yeah. Load of shit. And I was bad shit crazy. Victimhood is a huge, big um, indicator here, too. I mean. Yeah. Bad shit crazy. Like you said, we all, alcoholics are always pointing at him, her, employer, this, that, stressful job. It's always mm-hmm. something else that's the problem. It's not me. Right. They did it. <laughs> Yeah, it was really easy to blame anything and everything and everyone else. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, that that actually being like, mm, no, then stop fucking around. It it's B. That is hard, really, really hard. That's why this hoodie I wear all the time. I put step one on the back of it because I feel like step one is the absolute hardest. You know, like people freak out about like some of the other action steps where you have to like go and dig deep and do some soul searching or maybe confront somebody you don't really want to or something like that. But like step one, that admitting to yourself, like I have a problem fully, fully, 100 percent, like no fucking joke, no shit. I 
have a problem like for real i can't drink ever again you know and uh, i remember in chris's um super educational iop where he was telling us like the first 90 days or our brains are still wired to use and we're gonna have like withdrawal symptoms and like i remember writing them all down on a post-it note because he was like tell your family you know and your loved ones like this is what you're gonna be irritable you know blah 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 I'm like, oh, okay you're gonna have memory problems and I remember thinking at that time, like, 90 days, holy crap, like, that is so long, like, 90 days felt like it was going to be, like, 400 years, I'm never going to make it, I wanted to, but I was like, oh, my God, 90 days, like, uh uh-uh. That's probably uh, wishful thinking, too. Yeah. 90, he's... Because uh, we're not okay at 90 days either. No, sure uh, not. I was better. Yeah, better. There is a definitely a big. There's in some scientific. There's some scientific proof that that duration is a is a, a breaking point kind of thing where when you make it past that, it increases your chances to continue your sobriety by a long shot. It helps. One of my friends though from that IOP um, went out right around like 100 days and used again, but she came back like right away. And got right back in the program, and I was like, "That is awesome and very hard to do because I had like so much like guilt, shame, remorse, and just shame, shame, shame that like when I went out in 2020 and went back out, it took me more than two years, you know, two years roughly to come back, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't, I didn't want to other than I'd been pinned into a fucking corner and had no other choices. That's usually what happens. Yeah. When we run out of options. Yeah. If I'd had other options, you know, if I still had a way of taking care of myself and drinking i would have continued yep. because yep. i could have things you know and there's uh loved ones will ask what can we do about so-and-so yeah and a lot of times loved ones can actually they're one of the one people that can actually apply consequences to you you know just joe blow over here i can't do anything to him you know I'm, my threats are empty and it's a thing that uh codependency issues people won't do it they won't make you have to you know hold your feet to the fire yeah uh they 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 have the ability people's you know my 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 world uh a guy's wife will call me you know and want to know how come john you know what i do with him and i well you know kick him out well i can't do that (laughs) you know well uh okay then uh yeah then keep on putting up with it keep on putting up with it (laughs) yeah But, yeah, until we end up at the end of the line, that's usually, and that's a sad thing, you know. But they do see, too, that's not, you know, and I should be clear, too, because people do end up, uh, and I heard a speaker say one time that, you know, uh, for some people, they stump their toe out in the backyard by their pool and spill their mimosa, and that's enough. And they go, I got to quit this shit. You know? Right. Uh, Me, I'm there's like, others of us that like, go to damn the, it. The, what's it say in the book? I need or another to the one. gates of insanity or death. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, I'm a death or insanity guy. For sure. There's never enough. Uh, even, you know, well, you, after being, having those six to 20 years hanging on my shoulders, uh, I was still sneak drinking, you know, and the one day I knew I could do it was the day of my court date. You know, mm. So I would go to court, and one of the things was is that, that guilt and remorse that would be brought to the top, you know. Oh, yeah. Over having to go to another trial, you know, pre-trial conference or whatever they were. Facing uh, what you've done. Yep. And uh, I couldn't, I, so I would come and drink to oblivion that day. Every, every time I had to go to court, that would be one day I would 
clear my calendar and uh, and come hole up in my house. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at some point in the night, I'm wrapping it all up in a garbage bag and running down the alley and putting all the stuff in somebody else's garbage. Yep. And coming back and <laughs> crashing out and wake up tomorrow like it never happened. Exactly. Because. Yeah. Uh, it didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was moderating. You know, I wasn't I wasn't drinking every day, but I still couldn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. I know that that inability to to not even like not be able to not think about it it just won't leave you alone it's just fucking mean but and i so like when i got my 60 day chip this this go around that was like the most important day to me so i've never gotten a 60 day chip ever this was my first one and i was like oh my god because i really thought like i had better chances of being eaten alive by a dinosaur than actually making it 60 days um and now, now, like, when my spon- my first sponsee hit her 60 days, I was like, God, she got there so fast. Because, <laughs> like, now it's, like, between, like, today and 60 days ago, nothing. But the first 60 days felt like years. <laughs> I mean, just years. It was forever. It was so long. I didn't think I'd, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's still the same amount of time, but it doesn't feel like it. That time is relative kind of thing. Those early days are hard. Every day is hard. And it takes a long time, you know, and it's another thing from being sober for a little while, you know, it's, I mean, it's been a long time since I've had a thought about it. You know, it's still tapping me on the shoulder now and again, but those are so few and far between today uh, that it's, you know, that promises me that it will go away and it's going away. The using dreams, uh I had those this go around uh, up till I think probably about the first four months, four or five months. Every now and again, I still have one once in a while. I would I would have a dream that like I did drink and I did lie about it, you know, like I'd always done before. Yep. And it's like wake up having this anxiety. dream, like waking up freaking out, thinking like I lied, I let everybody down. Like yep. if there were alcohol in the house, I was so pissed off and so upset. I'm I'm scared I would have maybe drank it if it were in the house because I was it was so real that I thought that I had already done it yep. and I didn't. And in those early days, like those that first four years, I would keep. You know, there was alcohol in my house, and I thought that I could do that. You know, today you will not find any in my home. For the last eight years, you will not find any in my home. Uh, I just don't toy with it anymore. It's it was. Uh, there's no guy. Southern Indiana AA always says, you know, look when you see a bottle of booze, uh, visually place a skull and crossbones on it. It's a poison yeah. symbol because that's what it is for you. Yeah, poison. Uh, and you know, I go to some alcoholic's house, and they've got a, you know liquor around maybe their significant other still drinks yeah uh, it's just not in my ball court some you know? people can say so i keep do, a little I heroin can't. in the drawer too <laughs> yeah exactly just a little bit <laughs> well you never know when somebody might stop by and want a beer you know yeah you, know, you need or, to be able uh, like here's an eight ball if you're interested yeah. but if not then i'll just I put it away in the drawer if you want some <laughs> right just keep it over there just just in case <laughs> yeah no definitely not uh so so glad i live with somebody who's just like not interested in any of that it's me when i'm with another alcoholic oh we're gonna drink <laughs> an active alcoholic oh yeah yeah, yeah there's like there doesn't take much to convince me <laughs> yeah i mean thank god at this point yeah, I, that's I think, another thing i tried to do i kept on trying to run around with the same people that i drank with you know yeah um i, I, I you know, tried to 
try to tried all the things that they tell me in them rooms aren't going to work but you just don't understand like I, my little joke you know, yeah all you losers may have to work those 12 steps but not me mm-hmm. oh uh, in 2020 i remember telling my therapist like i don't know what in the world i'll ever say for a fourth step because i don't have any resentments I don't have any problems yeah i don't have any resentments. i don't resent anyone or anything oh, that's water under the bridge i'm fine <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, and then, then here comes Chris with his genius IOP, and he's like, we should ask the newcomer instead of, like, write down your resentments. What broke your heart? I'm like, oh, what broke my heart? Oh, how much time do you have? Let me tell you about the shit that's happened to me. Like, yeah, I've got some justified resentments is what I learned those are called. Where, you know, where, like, you tell your therapist about it, and they're like, oh, my God. Like, no wonder why you drink. Like, anyone would. Yeah, um, that's not helpful. <laughs> I'm gonna teach my therapist not to say such things. But um, you know, that's another avenue. Some people, people don't try know. And you sounds like you. You know, they think that they can go to therapy to stop drinking. I've not seen that work. I, I've I've uh, had people be like, I don't oh. think therapy's a bad thing. I'm not saying that right, at all. But it ain't enough. But. It, if you're a true alcoholic, that's not going to get you sober. No, if you are spiritually sick, you got to work all twelve steps in that order all of them um yeah you can't pick and choose and you can't just be like well maybe you all need to pray but i don't need to pray yeah (laughs) no and seriously what's it gonna hurt you know like give it a shot so i remember because i remember also before thinking like i don't need to pray i grew up mormon and then my whole family became atheists and i'm like i do believe in higher power and karma and like i do believe that like my my deceased grandfather's watching over me my family just not they think when you're dead you're dead and i don't agree with them so i've had plenty of time to like before i you know did like my third step with my sponsor i had plenty of time to like figure out like what is a higher power in me do i believe in one or not like this been a thing you know kind of which of course and chris says like we all think about that us alcoholics are like really big into like philosophizing about like, what's out there what's the point and everything but um like, I, I had, I knew, like, I didn't agree with what my family agreed with, but I also knew I didn't agree with, like, the, the crap I was raised with, with the Mormon church, and didn't even want to get baptized when I was eight, and I said that vocally, because you get baptized when you're eight, and, uh, here come my eighth birthday, and all these adults are coming up to me, like, aren't you excited, you get to get baptized, and I'm like, I don't want to, and they're like, oh, well, then you won't go to heaven with your family, and of course, now I'm like, after being educated by Chris, I'm like, that was sick. Why would you say that to a child? That is sick. Go and scare a kid that they're not going to be in the afterlife with their family. So you better get dunked in some water. Whatever. My dad baptized me. It didn't hurt anything. But um, but I knew I didn't like believe like the specific Mormon stories about the one guy finding the tablets in the mountains and the angel told him what they read and only that one guy knew. About South Park episode about it is like the best way of explaining it. <laughs> Absolutely, like they nailed it. Um, so I knew I believed in something, but you know, not what I grew up with. You know, not what the rest of my family believes. I mean, I was, like, 17, you know, new driver. I did, like, hands grab the steering wheel and, like, save me on I-71 before. Like, I felt that. Like, that was real. You know, I didn't make that up. And I wasn't drunk. (laughs) That was way before I had a drinking problem. So, but, um, I don't know. Um, it's definitely something out there. I mean, why am I still here? 
I don't know. Got to be some point to it. Besides me sitting around making some cards and being a really good dog mom. <laughs> I don't know. I forgot where I was going with that, but um, I thought I had a point there in the beginning, but I think I forgot it. Well, that, you know, that book says the main point of that book is to get you in touch with a power greater than yourself that will help you. Not get you in, not get you a higher power, but one that will help you. You know, that's the problem with the ones that I attempted to harness in my past is they didn't, they didn't work. <laughs> I got to have one that will help me uh, instead of hurt me like that scare tactic stuff and fire and brimstone and all that. Yeah. There's a lot of that fire brimstone stuff in the Bible that I'm just like, really? Yeah, I read it a different way today, though. You know, it's given me, it's another new perception. I've had a resentment against most of everything that was in there, and it was knocked me, I was knocked over the head with it growing up and wanted to reject. And I look at it more as a storybook today, no different than a novel. (laughs) Yeah. But in every novel I read, I read a lot, has underlying teachings and stories and stuff in it you know um but i mean star trek does but we know star trek's fiction right yeah you know when i look at the bible in a similar kind of way and not even necessarily you know not and i don't want to even uh just to like stay on a plane where i'm not being abusive to people who do believe in it but so so no one goes so far to say it's fiction but they're parables right they're just stories um and you know, if you beat a kid over the head with it, then that story, you know, you make them believe in Darth Vader, you know, uh, but there's some good Star yeah. Wars is a good movie. It, they're great. Yeah. And I watched all the Star Treks growing up. Um, yeah. And my uncle, they did the, the Klingon knives, too. So, yeah, but we watched a lot of Star Trek growing up. And I remember, like, seeing them, you know, like, have those face-to-face, like, phone calls, like, in this, like, we do now, like, FaceTime and shit. And I'm like, on Star Trek, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, maybe we can do that in the future. Yeah, right. We'll never be able to do that in the future. Here the fuck we are. <laughs> what? It's crazy. You never know what's going to happen. Hang on for the ride, huh? I can guarantee you that if you'll work these steps and practice these principles in your daily life, your life will get better. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's yeah. the only thing I can say that about. Definitely. I can't tell you anything else. I don't have, you know, people come to me now and again and want to help stop drinking, but they don't want this solution. I'm a one-trick pony. Yeah. Uh, I don't know any I've other got. ways. Toffrey, if you want something else, you need to go knock on somebody else's door. Yeah, if you come along here thinking something else will work. Yeah, I don't think it'll work. Yeah, I don't either. There may be, you know, I always leave that open. There may be some other ways to get sober, but this is the only one I know about. Yeah. Yeah, So I can't help you with something I don't know about. Uh, I can help you with this solution. Yeah, you got to have that spiritual awakening and, uh, and do the work. And, you know, find your part in it and get honest with your damn self and get real and, you know, quit pretending that you're fine when you're not fine. And, it, and, it, and it's really not that hard. Yeah, it's not. It, it sure looks like it's going to be when you're staring at it on the front end. 
Oh, it seems so daunting. Done a single step and you're standing there looking at it. It looks like it's going to be a really big ordeal, but. You know, I say this thing, you know, I've never met anybody that worked at steps and said, I wish I hadn't have done that. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. know anybody that's ever said that. I haven't heard it. Uh, I've heard some varying results as far as how effective exactly what happened, but uh, but I've never heard anybody regret it. Uh, I've only heard people say, like, like I shouldn't have tried to skip steps. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Your regrets are they didn't do them all or do them in the right order. That's the only it's regrets not I've ever heard. Thing you don't get to pick which one you want to do and which one you don't. It's not the Chinese buffet. Yeah, and uh, like when I remember asking um, Catherine if she would be my sponsor, and she gave me her like list of like requirements or demands or I call them ground rules. Ground rules, yeah. Um, which they're not at all. They're nothing too strenuous. Like that's what everybody laughs at, you know. And I tell them, but I want to. What I tell, I try to be real clear. I just want to set up the expectations so you yeah. know what we're doing here, so that when you agree, yeah, and you, you have, have that, that willingness. If you're not willing to do that, then you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna cut it, right? Yeah, because uh, the most difficult part was like that Marco Polo, like being on camera every day, checking mm. in with her on camera. I'm like, oh, for love of God, I don't want to look at myself. I avoid mirrors like the plague. <laughs> like, fuck, I'm gonna be on camera. God damn it! My first polo to her, I just put like a face mask all over, you know, like a charcoal thing. I was like, "Here you go." I'm like, let's just start this way. Because you hated yourself so bad. Ugh, yeah, miserable. But and I did her her last requirement that she said to me was like, you know, you have to work all twelve steps, including the twelfth step. You have to sponsor people and give away what's been so freely given to you. And I was like, well, yeah, that sounds great. Like if I'm ever well enough, because. <laughs> In the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, when I me, was Christopher, well when Christopher told me that, you know, I'm just going to agree. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, actually tell you I'm not, but I'll sit there and I'll go, yeah. Uh-huh. Just like any other time in my life that yeah. I would just tell you, okay. Yep. But in my head, head, I'm going, yeah, fuck that shit. Uh, it's like, okay. And now it's like the biggest part of my life. It's the biggest, most valuable piece of what I carry around today is doing that and experiencing that. I've heard some people say they didn't want to sponsor because, like, they didn't want to give other people the time or, like, they're too busy or they just don't want to listen to somebody else's shit or whatever. It's just self-centeredness. That's the root of our problem. Yeah, really selfish. And I'm like, it's never been that angle for me. For me, it was always, like, I just didn't ever believe I would ever be well enough. And now I'm like fuck yeah you know i i got well like i don't know everything but i know how i did it and i know how i keep doing it so you know it can be done like i'm a believer yeah these 12 steps absolutely and work as you do that you continue to heal you just yeah. don't even realize how much you know and and when i you know i've got guys who sponsor people who sponsor people who sponsor people who sponsor people and you know inevitably they all don't understand the benefit of it until they experience it. No different than working the 12 steps. You cannot experience the benefit. You can't understand. You can't even wrap your brain around it until you've actually done it. Like, a, like yeah. trying to tell somebody what a strawberry tastes like. Yeah. You can't tell them. Nope. You have to actually do it. And, uh, and they'll go, you were right. Yeah. I am. I see that crystal ball there. (laughs) I have a crystal ball and I can tell the future. If you will do this, this will happen to you. You got the winning lottery numbers in there. I I, I almost wonder. (laughs) Some days I almost wonder. Yeah. I mean, money's nice, but 
Yeah, I don't even think money would like make me happier than I am now that I'm not miserable and I don't have that nagging fucking, you know, in the back of my mind, just like wanting another drink or with where am I going to get a fix or wanting to die or waking up pissed off because I'm still alive. Like This is an inside job. There is no external yeah. thing, money. Him, no, no. whatever prestige, power, no job, no that, boyfriend, no that is going bank to bring account. What this brings, it's 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 got to come from within. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, just recently, my second sponsee, she actually started my IOP right before I graduated. So I've literally known her for the last year, and she asked me to sponsor her for a while she worked with someone else and her disease made a lot of excuses and there were other things you know i wasn't privy to but um for whatever reason she never did her first step until um tuesday we did we completed her first step because she finally did all the work it was like she asked me to sponsor her for probably like a month and i was like no uh uh-uh, uh, not gonna do it. And I told her to her face, I'm like, you don't need a sponsor if you're not gonna do any of the work. Like I've known you for That's a, a year. Yeah. Right? You've been you've been coming to all the meetings, you know, you've been honest about how you're in your own way and everything, but like if you don't wanna do the rating when it's due and like get it done when you say you're gonna you be done do the work. you know, then I'm not gonna like not going to do it because I've got one sponsee right now who's doing really well like she's sober got her life together pretty good um you know doing her step work and living life and I'm like I'm not gonna get sunk you know like I'm feeling successful right here like we're not I'm not bringing that down like if you just you you know not gonna do that to her face like I was brutally honest and I was like you know if you want me to work with you like here are the requirements and they're the same as my sponsors requirements for me other than the daily check-in I made it twice a day at 10 a.m and 10 p.m and if you don't do it by 10 a.m or you don't hit it by 10 p.m you broke the rule and I'm not putting up with it like jaw on the line you know uh, so I've been riding her ass and she has not missed a single one since I started working with her uh, May 4th and she is we've just, okay this is how many pages this chapter is like when do you think you can have a red by and like okay then we're gonna sc- discuss it on this day and bam 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 she's ready she's ready she's ready and not only like does she just she just she didn't like just just read it you know like she read it and thought about it you know and like can say like oh all these things about it back into her life and everything else and i'm like yeah she's she's doing it so i'm like okay i guess i'm gonna keep her (laughs) i was like reluctant state of readiness is whatever that is right like i said and i know who you're talking about and i've known she hasn't been ready from the day i met her yeah uh and then when i saw that she is completed her step one i'm like hmm maybe and it's just so funny too because tuesday we were going through you know chapter seven on uh surrender and uh in chris's book and uh it's got that line there right on there like on the last page it's like hey you know don't worry newcomer you're not the first one to to, you know struggle with your first step (laughs) i'm like yeah like you know you won't be the last that first step is rough but um I'm glad it didn't take me 13 months, but, um, you know. I'm glad it only took me four years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, it's, 
I went. I first was introduced to it in 2020, and I didn't do it until the spring of 2022. So, and I didn't make meetings in between. You know, I was just out in the freaking madness, drinking, thinking I'm fine. So she's probably doing my first AA meeting when I was 16. Wow. From a DUI, I got. I, I didn't have my driver's license six months, and I had a DUI. Wow. And I got court ordered to go to some AA meetings. I think I had to go to three. And I didn't even know, I didn't have any idea what that even meant. And I was telling my girlfriend and her older brother about it. And, uh, you know, I'm now I'm riding my bicycle over to my girlfriend's house again after having a car <laughs> nice. for a minute. Uh, and uh, he said, oh, don't worry, Amy, yes, I'll take you. I'm like, really? And he says, yeah, no problem. I'm like, okay, so whatever it was you know arranged it he come pick me up took me to the AA meeting and we went down there and sat in the AA meeting in New Albany I, there's an AA meeting going in that building today and I'm 53 and that was when I was 16 there's still an AA meeting in that room today wow. uh, I've actually spoken in that room I've been invited to speak and tell my story in that same room uh, but I don't you know, there was no like even any kind of cloak. I wasn't even in neighborhood already kind of stuff, you know. And on the way home, we stopped and got a six pack of beer to go back, you know. Uh, that's what this, naturally, but he took me to a meeting, you know. <laughs> he went, but and you know, later on, I know that when I was 16 and I got another DUI, I was 19 and had to go through the whole thing again. And uh, and I remember getting court ordered to go to AA and then some other kind of courthouse alcohol classes edu- alcohol education classes that was having held at the courthouse I mean I have no real memory of any of that nothing sunk in you know huh. I'm sure I was sitting there completely with a wall around like, me when is this gonna be going over so I can go that, get some beer checking the box right yep. so that I'm gonna comply with your little thing so that I can get back to my life here as soon as we get done with all this and um, and even to the point like when I, when I was when I went to my first AA meeting, I said I went to my first AA meeting with a third tradition in my pocket, a true desire to stop drinking. That was in 2011. Uh, when I walked in the door there, like none of the readings or none of the anything even rang a bell from those years long hmm. ago. So you know, I'm kind of, you know, my point here is, is like you, how we want to say, you know, you said it only, I'm glad it didn't take me 13 months. Right. It really did. It did. It took you it sure did. And, and I, I said, yeah, four years. But fact of the matter was, it was probably like 40 or I don't know. I had to do the math on that, but it's a lot longer from my first time being introduced into some kind of recovery program to actually uh, being receptive to it and actually doing the work. Uh, golly, I guess I could do the math real quick. What is that number? I was 29 years. Wow. Wow. Between my first AA meeting and my current sobriety date. <laughs> well, you know, we takes learn the takes. hard way, right? <laughs> takes what it takes. You know, and that's kind of stuff why I like a, a guy like, you know, Christopher has been around for as long as he has. Is don't That's, you know, I mean, what kind of heart you got? What kind of heart does it take to not give up on people? Yeah. I give up quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like it, you're kind of doing this. If you ain't going to do it right now, you're out of here kind of shit. Right. You know, uh, maybe it's easy to give up and move you know, on. I can also understand it as a sponsor at some level. Uh, part of my role here is to impart some discipline into you. You know, yeah. so there is some, you know, what that 
as a speaker it says i didn't you know everybody talks about needing a sponsor sponsor that they can relate to and he said i didn't need a sponsor i could relate to i needed a sponsor i would obey yeah <laughs> that's what i needed and that's what i needed Be a little, i needed one i was a little I bit scared of that i knew was smarter somebody than me. who i would obey yeah it wouldn't make any difference whether you know wasn't that he was meaner than me yeah. Uh, wasn't he that but something <laughs> in the universe and something got set up to where i found a man that i would do what he told me to do yeah now I've, I've since been able to tell that woman that like you know i wasn't talking to you i was talking to your disease yeah. in the back that of your head cause yeah. i was waiting for the excuses to start hitting because i'm like there had to have been a whole lot of excuses and that's why it's gone on this long but you know yeah give it to her she she never pretended to be anything that she wasn't and she kept coming to meetings like i just kept went back, back out I, I just kept going back out and getting drunk pretending i was fine <laughs> got myself in more and more and more and more trouble Okay. Yep. Yeah, she and, didn't do too bad. You know, that's you know that book was written was was published in 1939, and and there's so much truth in it. You know, I know a lot of people have trouble like digesting what's in this book, and you're taking people through the TSSR book, but you know, Bill said it's just going to get worse. It's never going to get better. You know, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happens. Uh, we think we're going to somehow or another get better. And oh, yeah. it just keeps getting worse until those consequences pile up on you deep enough that you'll do the work. I was so scared to have the effusion done in my neck because I, I have dealt with as a personal injury, um, you know, paralegal. All, most all my cases were really, really injured, mostly dead people and stuff and, and a lot of um, botched things and a lot of people that had fusions and they were in just as much pain or whatever. And um, honestly, it was it was three years after my surgery before I could like hold my head up by myself like without without severe pain um and you know but i mean the, the pain i was in was just indescribable but uh so i don't i don't complain today because i'm like i have been i've been through it you know but um oh crap um yeah i like I did not want to have the fusion i was so scared of it that i kept thinking like well maybe my neck will get better by itself uh no no it really won't like you can't go to the chiropractor you cannot do yoga there's no hot pad that is gonna fix you know rupture discs and and smashed vertebrae like you need surgery you know you need some metal implants put in there and yeah but i just kept waiting for it to get better on its own I was really hoping it would. <laughs> same as same with my marriage. I kept waiting for it to get better. Just to get better. <laughs> like if I waited out long enough, if I try this or if I try that, I mean, I was never gonna give up. I just kept trying to make it work. Stubborn. Yeah. Interesting. I think I've spent my whole life like trying to force everything. So, but so that's, that's part of this surrender thing and this day to town living and yeah, just. It, it took be. it took There's Chris really... asking me like, well, what happens if you try to you know push the waves in the ocean where you want them to go? <laughs> God, God, you're just gonna drown tired. Yeah, yeah, like that was me my whole life, just like trying to make the waves go where I want them, and like now I'm like, eh, just float, screw it, <laughs> powerless, got no control. Yep. There's a bunch of uh, cliches we use around here about going with the flow. Swimming upstream is too hard. Not when you don't have to. Right. 
but you know, I'm so smart. I'm so determined. I can do it. Uh, You know, and I just, I was so convinced that if things didn't go the way I thought that I needed and wanted them to go, that like everything was going to go to shit. Yeah. And and what do you know? You give up on all that fucking completely, hand it all over, and everything's even better than you could have ever imagined. Yep. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like. Those are the, you know, whatever those paradoxes that we have the surrender to win kind of thing yeah and let go well we're hitting a two hour mark oh shit any kind of concluding thoughts or what you might got anything to wrap up with um no I don't think so I don't know unless I'm the type that's gonna hit me later then it's way too late you know how my brain works (laughs) A lot of people will uh, give a message to like the new person if they're here listening. You know, people come upon this podcast oh. and are wondering if they want to do this thing or not. Oh my God! Yeah, if I can get sober, anybody can. <laughs> yeah, if I can come out of that kind of fucking miserable misery, it can be done. I mean, I if you talk about like it, what happens when we die now, like I've already been to hell. I was there for like 12 years. <laughs> I have no desire to go back. And I'm one drink away from that. So, no thank you. I will not poison myself further because this is just, this is too good. There's nothing that could get in the way of this. No, no thanks. So, I like to say the no matter what club. Yeah. No matter what, I'm not going to drink or use. Nope. Well, thank you for coming and sharing with me tonight and sharing with the audience and the folks out there to get to hear, uh, uh, frankly, a whole lot of tragic things happen to you and uh, you are rising above it, continuing to do so and heal from it. And if people just exactly what you said, you know, it's one thing about like the getting sober, but uh to uh go through the things that that you have gone through and then can actually come begin a process of healing that's the exact kind of messages of trying to carry with the podcast is that it is possible it is possible because we will look at people all the time and say i never was that bad right (laughs) and uh and you've shared some pretty rough stuff today even though you were laughing through a lot of it i can also feel that it's frankly really not that funny, right? Uh, it's, it's it's it is what it is today. I hell, there's it. more, there's but you know, we can, nothing we can do about it today. But uh, uh, so, thank you for sharing some pretty tough stuff today. Well, thanks for having me. And I always close this thing up by saying, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own fault. I also like to say, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, you're not doing it right. True. And I just want to thank everybody out there for allowing Celia and I to participate in our recovery in this manner today. Peace out. They won't.